0: Hey everybody, it's T with Abduction Enigma Podcast. So this week I'm doing another interview with Preston Dennett. Very intelligent guy and he thinks outside the box. Most people don't think up to look up UFOs and correlations to graveyards, things like that. And Preston even literally wrote a book on UFOs and schools as an example. He's a very prolific author and I love Preston and I consider him a very good friend. All right, that being said, let's get it. So I've got a little bit of a rant to get out of the way first thing. Actually two. So let's start with the first one. My controversial guest that I was going to have on. So I invited him on. This was a couple weeks ago. He got back to me and said he would come on with me. I tried to set up a date to get him on Never got back to me after that. He read my message. My guess is he went back through my podcast and listened to the fact that I may have talked about him before or it's because of the theory that I hold. The theory I hold is very extraterrestrial in nature. Could it be other things? It absolutely could be, but that's where I fall right now. I'm a very Dr. Carla Turner, Bud Hopkins kind of guy. I think there's science behind it. This phenomenon is more odd than we see. And yet, at the same time, I try to remain grounded. Because I realize, again, as I've repeated multiple times throughout this podcast, that the alien abduction phenomenon, which is my main study, is subjective in nature, as well as deceptive. I.e., these euphonauts try to trick you sometimes, and we see that with so many different cases. Now, I digress. Back to the controversial guest I was going to have on. Some of you may know him. He's a very nice man, but he seems extremely immature, I must say. So after reading my stuff and agreeing to come on with me, he goes on a rant about ufology being dogmatic and only listening to the extraterrestrial hypothesis which I must say. Nowadays, I think people more or less go along the lines of an interdimensional hypothesis rather than an extraterrestrial one. That being putting me in the fringe. Being an extraterrestrial guy. Now, Nathaniel has had experiences with shadow people and what appeared to be a ghost. Things haunting his dreams. But here's where the issue lies. Now, I was going to have a very cordial, nice conversation with Nathaniel, yet debate him a little bit on it. The issue lies with the fact that you have experiences like that, and then you link them into the extraterrestrial... We're not even going to call it that for this sake. You leak it into the alien abduction phenomena. Now, when you hear him describe this on other podcasts, because I have... What you hear is a man describing experiences that are extremely and vastly different than an alien abduction. Now, along being a demonologist, he also calls himself an alien abduction researcher. I've heard him do that as well. And he also loves the work of Dr. Carla Turner. That is something we have in common. But we look at it two vastly different ways. But that's not the part that gets me. The part that really pisses me off, and anybody who knows me, knows that I have this podcast to teach the public about alien abduction and experiences. For lack of a better term, and to make it easier on me, we're just going to say alien abductions, because I don't want to go into experiencers and alien abductions right now. Alien abduction victims, which is what we're going to call them, not everybody is, they are my priority. It did not start out that way. I want to help people going through this. I have always been on the side of the person experiencing the alien abduction phenomena. That being said, and doing this as long as I have, it really gets me freaking pissed off when somebody that is not an experiencer calls themselves an experiencer and that's exactly what he did and that exact phrase was thrown in there and it pissed me off because i'm sorry mr gillis you are not an experiencer you've had paranormal experiences There is a vast and big difference. And as an alien abduction researcher, you should know this. Now, I will say it as politely as I can. Mr. Gillis, you will never come on my podcast. You are not welcome on this podcast. I wanted your different viewpoint to come into perspective and allow my audience to see that. As well as hold a little debate with you. But that time is over, and you're not welcome, and you're not ever coming on this show. And I'm sorry about that, but it's just how it's going to be. So let's get on to my second rant. So, I had on Yon. Very nice man. Awesome guy. And interestingly enough, I found a case that correlates very well with what Yon experienced to a certain degree which I'm going to throw in right after this segment now here's the thing I had Yon on because I wanted Yon's story stood out to me I was watching it I mean it was maybe a two minute long clip of Yon maybe a little longer and his story stood out to me because I was like wow that's that's like cover memory okay I'm going to invite Yon on And that's exactly what I did. I figured my audience would love it. And you know what? Most people did. Myself included. But I did run across one person who did not. Who said, Aliens, the Greys, don't play those type of games. Referring to the ringing on the doorbell and knocking on the window. And you know, you might be right. But when I heard that, that's not immediately what I took from it. I just kind of told myself, that's odd. And I think that's exactly what Jan did as well. He just said he was frightened to look out the window. Just as an example. When you're doing UFO investigation or speaking to alien abductees or experiencers, you don't just immediately go out of the way and call them a liar. You find alternatives. And you keep them in your back pocket. Well, I said that during that podcast. And I will say it now too. I don't think Yon is lying. He distributes signs of somebody who has had the contact experience. So for my alien abduction researcher out there who thinks that he knows it all, he knows the answer, he knows why they're here and everything. You wouldn't think Yon was lying. Because of the simple fact that when somebody has the contact experience, they go one of two ways. This is established fact within the alien abduction lore. It's either a positive life-changing event or a negative event that affects you. Yon distributes those signs of a person who has experienced the more positive aspects of it and taken that away from the experiences due to his own perceptions. Now, if you were up on your research, you would know that there are cases that kind of correlate with Yon's to a certain degree. In the book, Promised by Richard Sigismund released in 2018 you find something very striking that I ran across now I have this book in my Amazon cart and I haven't picked it up and I really regret that now listening to another podcast I heard one of the stories from in there from Boulder, Colorado of a husband and a wife and a baby it seemingly had an abduction experience. And maybe I'll do an episode on this, even though he covered it pretty well in the Point of convergence podcast. So I want to thank him for that. But there's one part of their abduction that really stood out to me that you're going to catch from our last episode. The husband joined bodies with the extraterrestrial that was on the craft. Or rather, they join together. Now, I thought this would be interesting to throw in there, because that's exactly what Jan reported. Now, what does this mean, the alien abduction phenomenon? I don't know. Again, it could be perception. Could it have been some subconscious of Joining minds together with oneself? Could it in fact have been two different minds joining together in one, i.e., extraterrestrial and human? Again, or could it have come down to perceptions? Or maybe nothing at all, maybe something mundane. That possibility still lies as well. I choose to be objective. I don't find everything I hear. But I do research to see if it's validated. Interestingly enough, this validates Jan's case with his Popcorn Man a little bit. Could mean something, could mean nothing. But that's why we investigate. So right here, I'm going to put in a quote of Bud Hopkins talking with Mike Cleland to paint a picture of what I was referring to a little better. It's only about 22 seconds long.
1: You know, if if I were ever asked by somebody flat out, am I an abductee or something like that, uh,
0: I always have a standard answer. I can't say for sure because I wasn't there and I can't be inside your head. But I can say that everything you're telling me is consistent with what
1: abductees
2: report how about i'm here with preston dennett and dolly
0: preston so this is your newest book correct
1: that's right number 29
0: (laughs) pretty prolific man (laughs) um so why don't you guys tell me a little bit about it
1: All right, I guess I will start. Uh, I've interviewed a lot of people who've had UFO contact and Dolly reached out to me about six years ago now in 2016. Uh, And as she began to talk to me, Uh, at first her story sounds pretty much like others I've heard. People who've had contact with greys and other ETs and been taken on board. But as she began to talk Uh, I realized her story was a little bit different than a lot of people I've interviewed. Uh, First, she's had a lot more experiences, uh, really beginning from very, very young, age one, one (laughs) one-year-old, all the way up to the present day, pretty much. And I think what was most different was that she had no fear surrounding her experiences, and even more importantly, remembered them fully consciously, so wasn't experiencing missing time, like so many people do, wasn't using hypnosis, and really just had very extensive, uh, full-on conscious experiences of being taken on board, um, working with the greys directly, uh, flying in their ships, um, going to other planets even, uh, learning how to fly the craft, and uh, I mean, it just goes on from there. Her case is the most extensive that I've ever researched or even read about. So it's a true joy and a real honor to
0: hook up with her. Well, that's fantastic. So, from a very young age, um, I was actually just writing about children and the abductions earlier. And I noted that usually it's around four, but I've heard it go back as far as that as well. So where does your story, what made you reach out to Preston, I suppose?
2: Um, I had been thinking about it for about a year and a half or two years. I am actively involved with ETs, the tall grades mostly. And um, uh, they, they have a message and I've been watching things on this planet my whole life and I decided that I couldn't stay quiet any longer. I really wanted to bring their, their message forward and start telling the truth about them because there's a lot of misinformation out there, a lot. And, um, when I explained it to them that that was my intent, they, uh, briefed me first It took about a few months just to brief me through what was going to happen to me when I did it. It's, It's very extensive. And, um, I started looking, and uh, I went through a couple of different uh, people. I'd never really been on the internet before that. I was too busy doing other things, and I didn't know anything about this community at all. And uh, I kept looking and looking, and I couldn't really find anyone. And I went back to my contact and said, "Help! (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing with this. This is a big thing. And they gave me Preston's name, spelled it for me, told me to go to YouTube and look him up. So when I got back home from that particular contact, I looked him up and I found a, one of his very first uh, videos on YouTube, this playlist, And I played it, it's about healing. And uh, it was dead on. I mean, he knew what he was talking about. He was honest, he was um, thorough. His information was exact, it's very scientific. And I thought, okay. <laughs> so I emailed him and I didn't expect an answer. And I got one within 24 hours. He emailed me back. And within, I don't know, about a week or two weeks, we had our first conversation. That's when it happened.
0: Well, that's great. I've always appreciated the way Preston handles things. It's very thorough. That was one of the reasons I think Preston was actually my first guest. And that was one of the reasons I reached out to him.
2: Yeah. He's a good guy. He's uh, very, very honest and, uh, I appreciate that, and ET apparently does too. They recommended him very highly.
1: So Yeah, that was thrilling when I found that out. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> the Grays know about me. Makes me wonder, you know, do they have my books on board their craft? You know, I have to actually read them. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, it's clear to me that they are aware of me and other UFO researchers and contactee, anyone who's talking about them, and frankly, anything and everything. I'm pretty sure they're on top of things.
0: It appears to be that way. Now, I do have a question. Have these events been traumatic, or have they been on the nicer side, or just in between?
2: My contact with E.T. has been uh, my entire life. Um, My father was a generational contactee as well. They follow my family, and I've had intermittent memories of them right up to about the age of 14 when I I finally decided that uh, I really needed to remember everything all the time. I was beginning to think I was crazy. Um, uh, None of my experiences with them, none of my contact has been uh, bad at all. But you have to remember I was educated by them. I was uh, uh, constantly in their presence and care as well as being here back and forth. And when I woke up at 14 um, and saw the totality of all of it, and knew what my purpose was going to be then you know it's just that way it's one of the reasons I wanted to bring this message forward to everybody because it is not what everybody thinks y'all are brought up in fear y'all are taught things that are not true um and you have no ability to use your innate abilities y'all are psychic everybody is psychic on this planet you have the ability to be extremely psychic and have very many um Uh, talents that you don't use and you're sort of taught away from it Told you're crazy for it and he wants you to pick that up and and reteach it to yourself to use it because it's getting important these days and with the way the world is it's not sustainable if you're anymore and things are happening and they really really need you all to wake up
1: Yeah, Dolly (laughs) does not use the word abduction, by the way. She's been visited, contacted, invited. Uh, And I think that there are people out there who feel that their contact was negative, and it's largely because it was frightening for them. I've talked to a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to people who've had the same darn experience, and they can interpret it very differently. Uh, But I've never talked to anyone who's had what I would call outright you know, sadistic behavior on the part of the ETs. It's just not there. the scariest thing that people describe is being physically examined, which yeah, I can, I get it. It can be scary, especially if you're like, no, no, stop, needles. Uh, But as Laptali says, she's a nurse. Uh, No one likes going to the doctor. (laughs) They often fight it and uh, feel it's a negative experience when really doctors are just trying to help you. And that's a pretty good analogy, I think, to what's often going on when people are taken on board.
0: I think so as well. Um, I actually just got done saying it in my last podcast is this gentleman experienced not bad experiences at all, really. Um, and I think it does come down to that. It comes down to interpretation and you find that over time, somebody will have a negative experience or they perceive it that way. And then over time, they kind of grow accustomed to it and see it not as negative anymore
1: exactly that's the pattern i noticed very early on long before i met dolly i came to the conclusion that this was actually good for us that yeah. the agenda is healing and guiding and teaching and warning and waking us up and this sort of thing
0: yeah i think a lot of it like you said it all comes down to perception because you find that warning everywhere um it seems to be for betterment rather than What's the term I'm thinking of? We'll just say nefarious purposes. I I don't see that. I've never run across that. As I've pointed out before, I I don't see them just beating the hell out of somebody on a UFO and bringing them back. You know, you don't find those kind of things.
1: Right. No, it's the government who's putting forth an ET threat agenda, no, narrative, and the media.
0: And specific researchers too i've been running into that a lot recently and it gets my blood boiling to be honest with you
1: that's why dolly's story is so important sorry dolly go ahead ahead. (laughs) it
2: it is it is exactly what Preston just said it is important uh, to to begin the conversation with everybody and to get everybody on the same page where this is all concerned Uh, Disclosure is happening, whether the government wants you to know it or not. The people on this planet are starting to hear them talk. They're becoming more awake every day, and they're starting to hear the message. And it is important to separate out fear and uh, negative uh, feelings and uh, just outright lies propagated within the public uh, to get everybody uh, understanding what is really going on. Disclosure isn't just seeing them disclosure is understanding who they are and who we are in regards to them.
0: I agree. And I wish we could get there a little quicker. Um, You know, one day it'll come, but only time will tell.
2: It's really very much up to us. It is up to each of us individually as well as wholly together, you know, as a group. Um, that's why they want you to explore your psychic abilities. They want you to learn so that you can hear them talking to you. They broadcast messages to us twenty four seven. When you wake up, when you wake up, that ability in yourself, you'll hear them. You'll hear the truth. Uh, being psychic means that you understand when you're being lied to. Being psychic means that you can download information psychically. Um, instead of reading a book, you you can be downloaded amounts of information in a a matter of minutes, your education will really begin at a point in understanding everything. And uh, it's a really wonderful thing to happen, but we have to do the work to uh, work on that. You know, there's an app. (laughs) Uh, Russell Targ was a CIA operative, and he was a remote viewer for the government. And he left some software for everybody to find. It's called ESP Trainer. And download it on your iOS phone or uh, Android and on your lap, uh, laptop or your tower and it teaches you and guides you through using your psychic abilities and I like to recommend that to people because it helps. We are psychic. You know you are too. Uh, we have moments in life where you have good intuition. You'll be thinking the same thing as somebody else. You'll know when something's going to happen. You'll have a dream that comes true. These are all psychic abilities. Your job is According to what he's hoping that you'll do is operate twenty-four-seven wide open, so that you understand everything you need to understand. Because you're not being taught by the powers that be on this planet, you're being, you know, curtain down brought over you. You're being stopped from understanding, and they want you to hear the truth.
1: Yeah, I almost don't like the term psychic because it makes it sounds like it's, you know, not. Normal, yeah, it's actually a natural human talent. Most people experience, you know, multiple psychic incidents throughout their lives, whether it's a precognitive dream or an automatic experience or clairvoyance or telepathy. This is some that's the normal way we're supposed to be,
2: right? It is our sixth sense, it is a natural sense in our. A palette of senses from with our body
1: and our consciousness. Yep. Most contactees are that way <laughs> for sure. You know, that's one of the things I started asking Dolly about. You know, it's not just about all the UFO experiences she's had, and being taken on board, and you know, going on this big sh- motherships and visiting other planets and stuff. You know, what I asked her, like, have you ever seen ghosts? Yes, she has. Many contactees report that having out-of-body experiences, remote viewing. Uh, recently I was got real interested in levitation involved with the you know contactees. I was doing a study of this because Whitley Strieber described it. Uh, he had a levitation experience. So did Stephen Greer, Dr. Stephen Greer, after one of his encounters. Bud Hopkins had at least two or three people who reported. Physically levitating after an encounter, afterwards, not during. Uh, Jacques Vallée had a case very early on, which he talked about, a doctor from France who was uh, healed of two conditions, an ax wound on his foot and partial paralysis, levitated in the weeks following his experience. I'm like, Dolly, have you ever levitated? And she did. Yeah, Dolly can describe that, it's amazing.
2: Yeah, um, first time was I was ten months old in my crib. I was supposed to be napping, and um, it was midday, and uh, I was laying there looking at the windows, and big bright light came in midday, and I was like, "Wow!" And uh, next thing I know, I'm floating up in my own crib, and uh, when I got to the top of the rail, I flipped over. I was trying to go back down, and, uh, and my memory goes, "Whoop, gone." It was traumatic for me at that moment at ten months old, and I never forgot it. And then again, it hit me again, uh, the ability when I was two, is to play hide and seek in the house for my mom. And uh, I was always looking for new and interesting ways to confound her. And uh, we had these closets in Miami that were top closets. They weren't connected to the bottom closet. And I kept thinking, if I could just get up there, you know, she'll never find me. And I kept thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. And the next thing I know, I'm on my way up into the closet and once I went through the hole. I shut the door on myself and just had a wonderful time listening to her freaking out, (laughs) looking for rain. That was a really good day. Um, I'm able to do telekinesis. Had another experience, I was in my twenties and I was painting the stairwell to the basement in our house. And I had two paint cans in my hand. I was gonna walk them back down the stairs and I walked right off the top step into midair. And uh, I knew I was (laughs) a goner at that moment and I somehow levitated myself down slowly enough to make the turn and then land securely on my feet. I didn't spill the paint, you know, maybe just a little splish of it. That's it. Um, I've levitated with E.T. Um, when I'm with them, I can, uh, levitate very, very easily. And I've often wondered why I can do it so easily. them um, and not here in uh, my opinion about it or how I feel about it is that everything's uh, very negative here. And um, constantly inundated by um, tons and tons of very negative thoughts, and it makes it really hard for me to use my abilities unless it's an emergency. So. That's
0: really interesting. Yeah. What is what does it feel like, like sensation wise? I'm kind of curious about that.
2: You, um, you become light. Literally, I mean, it's not just weightlessness. It's you. You sort of transmute into light itself. You know, you become. Uh, something other than you are and your your astral body leaves you first and starts to go up and your physical body goes up in light with you. You sort of bring it up. It's a weird experience. And uh, once you get up there and get into it, um, maintaining it like here is not easy for me, but um, with ET, I can just stay up all the time. So it's different, but you become light.
0: L I G H T light. That's interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of contactees do describe floating around when they're on board a craft, and the ETs, of course, as well. And I always kind of wondered if that was technology, uh, but Dolly's, you know, filling in the blanks for me. is like she's like, no, no, this is actually a natural ability that they have and we ourselves have, which makes perfect sense a lot of what people think is technology going on on board craft isn't it is m- more spiritual i guess would be one way of putting it i'm not sure that's the best way to describe it, what's going on here because it's it's normal for them at least uh, but yeah it's not necessarily technology
0: almost like a non physicality would yes. be the best way to put it yes.
2: Everything is light. You're light. We're all light. We are light. The fact that you don't think you are is because you're in a third dimensional he- gravity heavy space here. And all your molecules and protons and everything are really densely packed together and you feel the weight of the stuff. Um, outside of this dimension, uh, your molecules start spreading out and you become light. And the further out dimensionally you go, the more light you become. So, and your consciousness, you're, you know, you're only indwelling your body, and your consciousness is light itself. And so you just pretty much go into what you really are, and you're using, you're using, your consciousness is ordering you around at that point, not the other way around, not the physical body holding your consciousness.
1: Yeah, this speaks to how Dali was actually uh, taught how to fly these UFO craft, uh, which is. <laughs> Sounds unusual, I know, for someone perhaps who's skeptical or hasn't done their research. But if you look into the UFO literature, you'll see many accounts of people who are taken up to the engine room or, you know, the control room, I guess, the helm, and sat down in the chair and taught how to fly these things. I've heard it not a whole lot, but definitely consistently. And people say, oh, it feels like these craft are themselves alive and it's flown through a process of, you know, telepathy and intuition and hooking up mentally. One guy I interviewed, uh, he was in Hawaii when he had an experience and he re- called it as a dream. He said it was just, he didn't have a whole lot of ways of describing it. but said He felt he had hooked up completely and totally synced up with this UFO. And Dolly described that in great detail. I mean, we go into a, a whole lot of detail in the book about how she learned how to fly these craft.
0: And I've run across that in my research before as well. Um, It's not abnormal.
2: Yeah, so it's been going on. There is actual uh, historical reference to that, you know, uh, the hieroglyphs in Egypt, you know, Sumer, uh, the the Mayans, the Incans, they all have glyphs of uh, those who fly the craft that are not uh, necessarily the greys or the tall whites or whatever, it's ETs encouraging us to fly with them and they have in the past and they're harmless about it. And um, you just have to look at it in, in, and discern which ones are pointing toward that and which ones aren't. But it's obvious, you know, if you're looking for it, you know, you see see, you know, oh, wow, look at that. Um, I was uh, encouraged to make a decision when I was 14 to decide what I wanted to do with them was being invited to work with them. And I decided I wanted to fly. And that's the, that's what I did. I learned to fly. Um, they vetted me first to make sure I could do it. Um, and then it took about four years. And then I finally took the seat and first time when I was about 19 years old, right after my nineteenth birthday. And I've been flying ever since. So,
0: yeah. And this still regularly happens?
2: Um, right up until about a year and a half ago, I'm sort of grounded right now. They're, they are not with us right now. Um, our magnetosphere is going down, and it's really inconvenient for them. They crash too now, and they're having to hold back. Um, they keep an eye on us. They have drones, and they have AI that watch over us, and they have sentinels in our solar system watching us, uh, and they can remote view us and things like that, but uh, they're not physically here right now, and I'm grounded while I give this message out. So, yeah, but right up until about a year and a half while well,
0: I was fine, yes. OK, uh, I'm curious, um, Is it only been the grays and the tall grays that you've run into, or have you run into other entities?
2: I've I've seen, I've met other entities. I've flown with other entities. Um, I uh, There are about four ethnicities, four or five ethnicities of grays. Um, the AI greys are biologically engineered AI, and uh, they are not a; they don't have a soul that can turn them off. Um, but the other greys, there's tall greys; they have four fingers and toes, and they're very, very tall. They can be almost eight feet tall. Some of them. Uh, there's like I call them the mid-sized greys. They have three fingers. They use prosthesis on their fingers to manipulate things. And you don't see them as much around here. They 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 watch over us too, but they're not as involved with us. And then there's another uh, type of gray that does have involvement with us. It's uh, sort of like a troll. They're kind of bluish gray colored and they're really cute and sweet looking and they watch over us also, keep eye on us. And uh, there are, uh, you would refer to as Nordic types. Um, that is not what they call themselves. Uh, They are very, very tall. Um, The young ones aren't as tall as they can get. They don't really start growing until about their 30th year. They're about seven feet tall right up until they're 30, and then they can go as high as, you know, 11, 12, 13 feet. I've seen one that was almost 15 feet tall. Um, They live very long lives. The tall grays live a long, long time. Um, One of my contacts um, is over 800 years old. I've seen the Anunnaki. I've seen um, uh, uh, interdimensional uh, entities that are like light beings. They look like angels, you know? I've seen uh, Talata is my contact on board the ship. He actually indwells our ship. All, all ET craft are indwelled by an interdimensional being that helps run the craft because they have to use technology that is psychic and it takes a very advanced being to run that craft. And I pilot it. I know where I'm going and I work with him and he keeps uh, everything else going, including the engines and all of that. Um, I've seen uh, those that look like uh, dogs, I guess um, Egyptian, you know, the Egyptian, uh, the one, I can't think of his name right now, it's the one that sort of holds over Hades uh Anubis, uh, Anubis. Yeah, they look like Anubis and um, they're huge. They're like six, seven foot tall, very muscular. They have quadrants and feet. Um, they're intelligent, um, not real chatty, but yeah, <laughs> they, they're, they're guiders and protectors. Um, they also do a lot of heavy work in uh, flying also in space and guarding us, everybody in space. Um, we, we uh, sometimes run into, anomalies you know when you travel through light gates there are things that can happen to you and they sort of like watch out for us and they run to us to protect us so they help us when we need help that way um if there's a crash on this planet they're one of the ones that actually tries to get in and get everybody out that's one of their jobs um i haven't told preston this you're hearing it first time as well as he is um there are those that look like cats um there are those that look as human as you and I do, and uh, they we all live in the same galaxy. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of different. Our ga- our universe is pretty big, and our galaxies are very big. We have over 280 million habitable planets in the Milky Way alone. And uh, so yeah, there's a lot going on out there.
0: That's very, wow. That is, sorry guys, my My zoom's kind of messing up on me real quick. You've run across quite a, quite a number of entities. I will say that.
1: Yeah. When I said Dolly's experiences are more extensive than anyone else I've interviewed, I'm not kidding. Uh, She, you know, following age 14 when she had a major experience, which really woke her up, she was taken once or twice a week. And, uh, It's just important to point out that, yeah, when they uh, invite her on board and she spends, you know, an hour or two with them, sometimes a couple of days or even longer, uh, she's put back into her room and only a few minutes have passed, generally speaking. And uh, so they're able to sort of pull people out of the time stream. I've heard this from many other contactees. Uh, Dolly described the same thing. Most of what she's described, I have heard from other people, uh, not everything, because her story is quite extensive, but certainly a lot of it. And it's clear that these ETs are very, very advanced and are able to do things with time that we are only beginning to understand. And uh, so she spent, you know, days, weeks, and you know, in some t- instances, months, isn't that right? Uh, at a time.
2: Uh, yeah. I have an ongoing joke with uh, my main tall uh, uh contact a uh, caller Um I, I am probably older than I physically am my chronological age because I'm 64 and I'm probably closer to 70. So yeah. Trying to come <laughs> up with some good questions.
0: For you. <laughs> uh, that's You've had some amazing experiences, it sounds like, I mean.
2: Yeah, the first time that happened to me, I was a little kid, I was about five, and uh, we were living up in Wisconsin on my grandparents' farm, and um, I remember being taken uh, to, on a trip, and they brought me to a place where um, it was summertime, and it surprised me, because it was dead-up winter where we were, okay, and uh, I was surprised and it was like a little party going on. And then I realized everybody was speaking Swedish. I speak Swedish. And uh, they told me to be very careful. They, you know, they said, do what you're told to do. Don't touch anything. Don't get involved. Don't get out of control or anything like that. Just have a good time. Be nice and be happy. I was like, okay. And uh, so I sat at this table and there were a bunch of girls there and we were partying and the father was an artist and he was sketching us. And he drew my picture and, I didn't think anything out about it. They let me keep this little kerchief hat that I had on and in in, that I wore. They gave me a costume, you know, a Swedish, all Swedes have a, um, colloquial outfits that they wear for the different parts of Sweden, you know, that, that denotes where you're from. And I had one and I knew it was the one that I came from. My family did come from that area. And then I was told that they were my family, that I was a visiting family. And I didn't think yeah about it again for years and years and years until. My great grandmother, who was, uh, I was raised with, uh, besides my parents, was looking at a magazine that she got from a relative. And um, she opened it up and she said, oh my God, that's you. And she said, come look. And it's a painting of, of a bunch of us kids at that party. And I was shocked. And she said, Carl Larson painted this. This is a relative of ours. I love him, he's a wonderful artist. I was like, oh, wow, that's very cool. And then I'm telling Preston about it, and he goes, "Dolly, that was 1910. I was like, wow. So yeah, it's in the book. It freaked me out. I, I realized, you know, suddenly with, with great import that, oh, okay, I've done travel, but didn't even realize I did it.
0: Wow. wow. <laughs> you guys just have me speechless tonight. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, so when they... How, how do they take you aboard? Um, Is it like your typical experience, like they're in your bedroom or do they just meet you somewhere?
2: I've gone up a bunch of different ways. It's mainly, um, they pull me up in a um, uh, energy beam. Uh, It's a, they'll shine, it's a light that comes down on me and there's an energy ribbon that comes down through the light and I touch it and it makes me uh interdimensional and I can go through anything walls trees you name it and I go up to the craft it doesn't go into the craft it goes up alongside it and they have a hatch that opens and I jump through the hatch you know um they can land I can go on board but landing is difficult because they have to pull cool down you can't just land anywhere and open up and suddenly let everybody in or out it takes time uh you know how the shuttle would come back and they'd have to let it cool off Believe me, this this craft has to cool off a lot before you can even open the door. Um, so, every now and then, when I was a kid, I'd, they'd be out in the field somewhere and I'd see them sitting there and I'd go run up to it. They'd let me in. Um, they can also bring a smaller craft down that can actually um, pick me up in an energy uh, ribbon as well and then transfer me to a larger craft. So, yeah. I—I like I said,
0: you guys, I'd be pretty speechless. Um, I see we're running close on time here too. I—I'm just trying to figure out how to phrase things.
2: Just say it. It's okay.
0: <laughs> well, I'm trying to wrap my head around some good questions for you, and I'm not really coming up with any right now. I, I've been doing a lot of research today. I Have a lot on my mind. Um,
2: I'll, I'll tell you what we. We are their children. They are our progenitors, okay? They're as human as we are. They dime out differently, but everything in the universe is related to everything. If you've got DNA, you're related to it. And the human genome is throughout the universe. We're all bipedal. We all have hands and feet, You know, we all eat, we all sleep, we all drink, go to the bathroom, procreate. We do all of that stuff. We just look a little different from one another. We have examples of that on Earth. We all look a little different from one another. We're darker, lighter, shorter, taller. These are not abnormal things. Um, The reason that they're visiting us is that for that reason alone, they watch over us. They've been watching over us for eons. We are their children, like I said, and they're watching us evolve and they're hoping that we catch up to them so they can invite us back into their society. Uh, We're not doing such a hot job right now our society, our world society is in a big mix and mess and we're clueless and we're not thinking straight and it's time to wake up. That's why they're here. They're going to break and make their presence very well known and they're working on it. They've got world governments here who don't want us to know the truth, that are used to keeping us uh, as their workers. Um, I would use even the word slave and uh, they want us to break free of that. They want us to realize who we really are
0: well that's like i said all i can really do is just be baffled i mean it's amazing story uh preston where can people find your book
1: uh you can get it on amazon other online retailers uh, or at bookstores if they don't have it they will order it for you i do have a website as well Just punch my name and it should take you there. I'm all over social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Dolly has a YouTube channel as well, I should mention. Her name, Dolly Safran, all one word. And she's put out a lot of the photos and films that she's been able to get supporting her case. She has a lot of evidence supporting her case. Corroborating witnesses, medical evidence, all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, that's an important point because her story is amazing. People say extraordinary, you know, stories require extraordinary proof, and she has that.
0: Well, I encourage you guys to go check out Dolly and Preston. Um, I w- I'd love to have you guys back on at some point if you're willing. Oh,
1: well, yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> now, Preston was generous enough to send me the book, which is freaking awesome. That's something I do appreciate. Now, again, I really don't know what to make of Dolly's case. As you can see, it baffled me a little bit, kind of threw me off. I'm going to have Dolly and Preston on again. I I have more questions, some of which are very hard, because I'm sorry, and I know some are going to disagree with this, and if you've been listening to my podcast for a long time, you know when it comes to the ancient astronaut theory, that one is hard for me to bite To There's a lot of good evidence, but again, it's subjective. It could be something completely different. Now, as far as the human genome on this planet and why we have so many different ethnicities and things like that, that's more adaptability evolutionarily on certain areas on this planet. That's what you find. It's not that the genome is any different. Now, if she's referring to astrobiologically, that's a possibility. It's never been proven. The building blocks of life are throughout the universe. It's just whether they've come together in a certain manner to produce a humanoid kind of form, which is possible. Now, another thing is I realize that through my last two podcasts, it sounds like I'm real love and light, right? Well, that's not the case. And really, I kind of contradict myself a little bit, because it's not that everybody gets over an alien abduction over time. Some people still hold on to it as a very negative experience, but widely, what I've noticed, on a more larger scale, is people adapting to it. And viewing it as not as negative. Now again, Preston does great research. And I trust him on this. I have to still go over the book. So I'm sorry Dolly and Preston. I don't know what to make of it just yet until I go through the book. But I withhold my judgment. Now there is one other thing that does come up. And this is pointed out in another podcast as well. Not just mine. And that's the deceptive nature of these entities. That is a fact. That happens with abductions and experiences. And for the sake of the whole thing, I'm just going to call them abductions. Because that makes my life easier. So what you have during abductions is a little bit of manipulation. I don't actually think that there's any case out there in which a little manipulation isn't used. That's including Betty and Barney Hill, Whitley Straver, Dr. Carla Turner, and many others. Now, I think it's important that you take that in mind, because that does happen. It's been noted by Jacques Vallée, Bud Hopkins, John Mack, Again, Dr. Carla Turner, Dr. David Jacobs, a ton of people have noted that. And, to be honest, it's just a fact. So, she may believe these surface-level things, but really it could have a deeper meaning. And one of the main issues with me, and this isn't with Dolly's case, just anybody, is anybody who says that they have the answers... I'm extremely skeptical about. Because if you say you have the answers. As we all know from history. You do not have the answers. This would not be. An enigma. It would be solved already. So if the answer is to bring peace. Well there's easier ways to do that. If the answer is to take us over. As I've heard, well, there's easier ways to do that. I still fall down right in the middle. The entities or euphonots seem to be neutral. They sway people to think a positive way, or sway people to look at it as a negative way. It is the interpretation of the abductee. Now, you may ask yourself, what would be the purpose of having a negative way, them swaying you that way, if you're not doing it yourself? Well, that's simple. Compliance. If you are in fear, you're more willing to comply. That's one example, although I'm sure there's many other reasons. Now, with that being said, I... I'm grateful to Preston and Ollie for coming on with me. Again, I don't know what to make the case, but I do appreciate them coming on, and we're going to have them on again. Now, the next one that we're going to have is John Yost. He's our next interviewee. And John Yost is the director of Alien Abduction Answers, which is what Jan is from. And his experience isn't quite as nice. With that being said, I'm going to let you guys go. I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank the Ghoulies for Hot Rods from Outer Space. I want to thank Preston and Dolly for coming on with me. If you guys want to get a hold of me, just hit me up at yahoo.com. Hit me up on Facebook. And that goes for if you'd like to appear on the podcast too just hit me up and let me know all right keep kicking it